Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, you're standing with me. We did this at the beginning of the year, and then Pastor Choco confirmed it. We won't do this every Sunday. I just think it's important at times that we stand for the reading of God's Word. The Bible says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. And some people take that first part, and they apply that to their lives, and they say, well, I just, I, you know, I just, I, I, gotta, I don't want to offend anybody. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't want to be a Bible beater, you know. I, I don't want to be considered a holy roller. So, so, I, so you're supposed, the Bible says to be careful practicing your righteousness in front of other people. No, that's not what it says. It says in order to be seen by them. The Bible doesn't tell you not to practice righteousness in front of other people. It says not to do it with the wrong heart. It says not to do it as a show or a performance or an arrogant attitude. And then he continues... For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Verse 2. Thus, when we say that word with me, give. Okay, it's important. When we give. It didn't say if, if you decide, you know, on your way out today. We're so much more careful than I want to be. It says when you give to the needy, I'm not receiving an offering. Okay, hang don't, don't just relax. Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you say it with me, give to the needy. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who is in secret may reward you. And most versions say openly. Verse 5. I want you to read this word with me. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. But they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. That's, that's not why we do it. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray in public. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't pray out loud. Okay? So if I, shouldn't, if I should pray in public, I should pray out loud. Then I should give in public and I should give out loud. That means that, oh, you're not supposed to tell people what you gave. That's not what this says. You're missing the context. He's correcting pride. He's not telling you to hide. Come on, somebody. But when you pray, when you pray, verse 6, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't pray in public. Just said there should be a private life, a private aspect to your prayer life as well. In other words, publicly professing your faith on Sundays in front of other people is not enough to keep you fed. I can't preach it, but I want to. And the Father who sees in secret will reward you. Watch this. I'm about to make some of y'all happy. Verse 16. I just skipped 10 verses for all the people that are sick of standing. Say this word with me. And when you hold up. Well, that's a lost discipline. But it's right there. It's right there with praying and giving. Don't let what somebody else does to a dead God be greater than what you do for the one who is alive and well and seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. Verse 17, but when you fast, anoint your head. Remind your face that you love Jesus. That was the new Chris version. Verse 18, 
so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Come on, lift your hands all over this place. Father, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking today. Lord, right now, I pray that you would open up our hearts. Maybe a few people need to say, Lord, soften my heart. Make me pliable today. Give me a heart to receive what you would want to say. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a mind or a spirit to comprehend everything that you're attempting to speak into us. And God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit will seal this word today and that it will transform us from the inside out because your word will not return unto you void. In Jesus' name I pray, everybody said amen and amen. Why don't you say hi to about three people and then you can get comfortable. I've never really cared much about the Cincinnati, I think it's Cincinnati, Bengals. Never really cared a whole lot, but I think it's cool that we're wearing some jerseys today. We'll watch a little football this afternoon in Jesus' name, because when small groups start, I probably won't get to. I've been told um, that the English language is one of the more difficult languages to learn. Um, specifically by some of my Latino friends that I had an opportunity to be around for a season of life. Um, so, um, hablo espanol muy poquito. Like, some, yeah, I know. Like, I speak very little Spanish. Very, very little. And then, and they speak even poquito less English. Okay, so we were trying to have conversation, but we weren't really speaking the same language. Mm. That's why it's so important that we don't tear the pages out that talk about the prayer language that God has for those who have not just been baptized with water, but baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. Because there are some things that you need to pray and you don't even know how to. And if you're not speaking the same language as God, then you'll misinterpret what he's trying to say. That's not even, that was just, that just landed on me as I was talking. Okay, so my, my friends, Latino brothers in, in, in baseball, <laughs> Baseball. Um, they would ask me, ¿Qué es el nombre? You know, and I'm like, ¿Cómo? That means, huh? <laughs> tu nombre, tu nombre. Oh, oh, my name, my name. Yeah, uh, mi nombre is uh, Chris. <laughs> it's because I, I, I'm not really great at it. And, and I would say, Chris Fry. And they, their, their eyes would perk up. You know, kind of like I was... When uh, Pastor Blaine's up here talking about food, like, dude, you have to come up with something else for 1115. I'm not going to make it. I'm not gonna make it. <laughs> but but, but their, their eyes perked up, and they were like, oh, fry. Like, chicken fry? She, like fried, they're like fried chicken, but the adjective was backwards. Oh, chicken fry. And, and that became my nickname. For all the Latinos, hey, chicken fry. I win or you lose her. Okay, so I've told some of you, that story before. And then some people, we, we speak English, but, but you say things differently. So like five and a half years ago when I moved my family here. <laughs> Yo, I read a sign across town. 
It said, if you need to use a card, you got to get down. I'm like, man, I ain't got no cash. <laughs> Can't do this all day, man. I, my wife comes up here with some cash pretty soon. They meant get out of the vehicle and come in, but nobody else says it that way. When we first got here, it's, I didn't ask permission to say her name, so I'll just tell you it's Miss Nicole. She came over to watch our children at the time. They were six, four, and two. Little fat Gabriel with a bink still. She came over to watch our children. We went out and and I'm you know, I'm I'm not the Lord, but I'm as close to him as as they gonna see in this life. And so when I tell them, hey, we got somebody like we knew here, and I'm just I, I, I basically I threatened them within an inch of their existence. Okay, so they were there and Miss Nicole came over. And they were playing, and, and Miss Nicole said, okay, okay, let's save our toys. My kids are like, are, are they going to hell? What's wrong with our toys? They need to be saved. What's My six-year-old, I mean, the other two are like, <laughs> but let's save our toys. And, and she say it, and they're just kind of like looking at her. She's like, come on, come on, let's save our toys. Adeline's like, she says this, six years old. What, why are you saying it like that? Like, no clue what Miss Nicole was trying to get her to do. Like, save them for later? You want me to hold them really tight? Somebody's going to try to steal them? Or she just wanted to put them up, right? English doesn't really understand. For instance, like, if you go outside and holler duck, some people are going to do this. You holler duck at me, I'm doing this. Like, where? That's just... It's the language, right? So we're going to use the English language a little bit in this series, a little bit different direction that God led us. We're going to go into a series we're just calling RE, and we just put a colon in front of it. And then I look this up and understand the significance of it. RE is a prefix that goes on the front of a word. And the initial definition of RE means again or anew. So to retell or renew or repent. Another definition is back or backwards, like recall or reflect or reexamine, reevaluate. And so as we were coming out of 21 days as a church, corporately, prayer and fasting and and if you're part of this church, you, you, you did that with us because this is a family thing. My, my children receive the same anointing of the home that my wife and I receive. Okay, this is the house. We're a family. So don't, don't feel guilty if you didn't do something or whatever. We're just, we're moving forward in God. But we had this 21 days. And, and then we had a week of prayer. And then we had a send-off, not a wrap-up. Because we didn't wrap anything up on Wednesday. We had a send-off Wednesday night with speakers on Sunday morning, Sunday night, a, a night of worship and a prophetic message on Monday night and great food for the guys. And then they did the girly thing in here and everybody enjoyed it and was, was happy. And then some people came back on Wednesday night and we had this send-off. And I just thought, man, how silly would it be to have all of those great experiences and encounters in God's presence 
and just go, whoo, that was good, and then move on. Like, the finances that we use from giving, tithing, offering people, generous people, and to fly people in and feed them and expenses with everything that we did through all those events and, and the words that God gave these men and women of God to speak into our church. And, and then Wednesday night, all right, it's over. Let's go home. And then I thought, man, how many of us do that every Sunday? Like, whoo, man. Service was good. Sit down. Oh, it was good. Jesus, she better bring my drink. I'm telling you right now, if that drink is not full, but oh my Lord, I'm going to lay hands on this waitress. If my... We have these great encounters with God, these moments of worship. What we believe as a team, God has laid on our heart to share, and then we don't really do anything with it. See, I believe if it's worth having, if it's worth doing, then it's worth remembering. And we live in this generation that they just want the fresh and they just want the new. And, well, I already tried that or I already did that. And they're just constantly being moved from one thing to another to another, calling it enlightenment, when really they're just going backwards 2,000 years and calling it educational. They want to move culture and society in the same things that Jesus Christ came to deliver culture and society from. That's not enlightenment. That's ignorance. It's foolishness. And the church, unfortunately, has fallen into the same wave. Now listen, I love things to be nice, and I believe you should take care of what you have, and, but there are times when you need to go back, as Jeremiah said, and remember the ancient path. Like sing the old hymn. Point yourself back to the old rugged cross because if it's worth having, it's worth remembering. And I believe in order to remember what God wants us to remember, we need to take the time to reflect. And if I had a title for the message today, it would just be that. Reflect. See, I hope every Sunday, and we may begin putting this at the bottom of the bulletin, every Sunday as you're listening, instead of thinking who else you wish were listening to this message and tagging them on your post, that you would just allow the Holy Spirit, like, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me? And what is he saying? And then you walk out and, and you ask the Lord, okay, I, I heard what you said, but, but how does this apply? How does this apply to my life? And then most importantly, what net do I need to throw on the other side? Like, like what do I need to do differently? What, do I, what, what adjustment do I need to make? Because I'm telling you, 2022 is not going to be any different than 2021 if you don't do something differently. You can pray all you want to. If you keep practicing the same habits, you will produce the same thing. You need to write that down for me because that wasn't in here, and I want to say that again in third service. How do I need, what do I need to do differently? Pastor Choco came in, and he said that he sensed that the Lord was leading him across the assemblies of God to announce that this is the year of demonstration and direction. Okay, I told you that in November, I believe that this, for us, this, this year as a church, was a year of reflection. 
And I was trying to figure out, Lord, did you tell us two different things? He said, oh, no, son, those go together. See, because if you're not reflecting on who I am, then you will miss the demonstration of what I do. And if you miss the demonstration, then you'll continue to head in the wrong direction. But when you, when you reflect and you ask the difficult questions, questions like, who do I see when I look in the mirror? And some of you are like, well, I don't look in the mirror. And then I'm like, I know, we can tell. <laughs> Sorry. That was... Isn't it funny how the people are like, I don't spend any time in front of the mirror. But they're like the same people that don't ever want to take a picture. I'm not taking no pictures. I, I make pictures ugly. I know, but if you would just look in a mirror. Just... And then if you get them to take the picture, like, let me see that. Let me see that. No, you can't see it. You don't want to look in a mirror. You don't look at the picture. It's the same thing. You're going to be tough? Be tough. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just... It's also interesting to me that the first person we look at whenever we look at a picture is ourselves. Why? Because we're not worried really about anybody or anything else around us. We have a picture. I, this is, uh, I didn't do this in first service. I didn't have time. If you go to my mother-in-law's house today and look on the wall, on the wall in the kitchen, this big. We're all at my sister-in-law's wedding. There's one person looking at the camera. My children look like they're on speed <laughs> in the camera. Megan, it wasn't her best picture. I'm looking over in this direction like talking to someone, but one person looks so good in the picture. And that is the picture that is hanging in the kitchen for all of the guests to see. It's not look at my beautiful family. It's look at my beautiful self in this picture of my crazy family. Who do you see? When, when you stop to reflect, let's dig a little deeper. Who, who do you sense when you look inside? Or... Have we fallen prey to this cultural complacency of as long as we stay busy, we must be productive? And we never really take any time to look at who we are because instead of being a human being, we're really just humans doing. Who are we? As children of God, we must, I believe, reflect. Number one, when we reflect, I believe it gives God the ability to reset. Now, now look, for all the theologians in the house today, God doesn't need a, oh, we don't give the God the ability to do. I know he's omnipresent, he's all-powerful, and he's all-knowing. And he knew you were going to say that, so he told me to say this. <laughs> what I am saying about God's ability in this statement has nothing to do with the fact that he is omniscient, omnipresent, and all-powerful, okay? But God subjected his authority to our obedience from the very beginning. I said God subjected his authority 
to our obedience from the very beginning. And he has been doing it all the way through. The only time that it stops is when Jesus Christ touches back down on the Mount of Olives. And then you will understand that all authority in heaven and on the earth has been given unto me. Until that day, he subjected his authority to our obedience. So when we stop and we reflect on what God is doing, it gives him the opportunity or the ability to reset. I was reading through my annual reading plan on, on my YouVersion app. Um, I love this Bible. I have several Bibles I use as resource, but I, I just like that, that I can be on my phone in my bed and read the Bible instead of like Megan shining a light in my face, you know, like we used to have to do, and I can read right there. And honestly, can I, honestly, I fall asleep a lot when I'm reading the Bible. Okay, I fall asleep a lot when I'm reading anything, but but there's something about reading the Bible. And some of you have heard me say this. I just want to read it. Well, every time I read, I fall asleep. Good for you. Good for you. I've never gotten mad about Gabriel falling asleep while I was talking to him. Like in my arms, resting with me. Or my daughters. Like that's one of my favorite things in the world. Is they'll just they'll just lay with me and rest and go to sleep. Okay, so I've been doing my annual Bible plan for about two years. And uh it's it's the entire Bible in one year. I started it in 2019. I'm about halfway through. True story, because I, I start reading other things, and it's not that I'm not reading, just I'm, I'm, I was almost got back on track during the fast, and then we had momentum, and I'm like eight days behind again. There's this button on version, my favorite button. It's called Catch Me Up. Hallelujah. I'm caught back up, right back where the Lord wanted me to be. All right, so I'm, I'm reading through, and I get, I get down to first chap, first Samuel 7, and I don't have this in your notes today, but you see this story in chapter 5 and chapter 6 that because the people of God were taking for granted the presence of God, the presence of God left the people of God. And he actually allowed the enemy, Philistines, to house the presence of God. Now, um, that didn't go well for them. And, and the, Philistine, the Philistines began to play like hot potato with the Ark of the Covenant. Like, no, you take it. No, you take it. No, you take it. Because... When, when you don't know what to do with the presence of God, it could cause as much damage, specifically to those around you, if you're not careful with the presence. And they weren't careful, and so ultimately, they send it back to Israel, and, and Samuel gets the Ark of the Covenant, the representation of the presence of God, back in Israel's camp. He's about to go to war with the Philistines. He's about to attack the enemy and take back what the devil stole from me. And, and, but before he does that, the Bible says he fasts. In fact, he calls the entire nation to a fast. And then in verse 8, the people say to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. After they fasted, this is what they ask. And then after they asked, they fasted again. Let me give you this statement and then I'll prove it. I believe that there are some things that we only hear if we fast and pray. Like if we don't take the time to disconnect I told our staff last week, it just came to me at, right after prayer. I told our staff, do not let me call you to your next fast. Because I'm going to have, we're going to do another one for a week. 
in August or September. We do it every year as we prepare for a new school year. But don't let me call you to your next fast. Don't let somebody besides the Holy Spirit tell you when you need to take a day or take a lunch or, or do intermittent but add fasting and having a conversation with God, whatever, because your spirit is just as important as your body as long as your spirit is dwelling in your body. Oh, that, that got some non-exercisers. I got you right where, right there. Don't let me call you to your next fast. The Bible says that as Ezra took the remnant of God out of Babylon back to Jerusalem, on the way there, he stopped and they were fasting and they were praying. Jesus Christ, before he began his earthly ministry, spent 40 days. Now, don't go on a 40-day in the wilderness with water only. You will die, okay? You're not Jesus, you have to prepare your body for that. Unless you heard an audible voice from the Lord, that's probably not what God wants you to do. But he does want you to do something. If you need to hear from him, take three days, fast and pray. Take a day a week and fast and pray. God told me in January of 2020, Chris, I want you to fast one, one day a week, every week this year. I was walking down a dirt road at a cabin that, that I was allowed to borrow and be at for 24 hours, just me and Jesus. I try to do it every year. Give God a day. I start out tithing my day to the year, to the Lord, of the year to the Lord. And then I learned English. I was walking down this dirt road, and the Lord said, I want you to, I want you to fast one day every week of this year. And I said, oh, Lord, I did that. Oh, I've already done that. And the last time I did it, I'm about 205 right now. The last time I did that, I got down to 176 pounds. Now, 176 looks great on some people, but I look like a stick with arms, okay? Like 6317, like that don't go well. I, my wife doesn't even like the way I'm built when I weigh that much. She's like, babe, you're too skinny. I was like, you're too skinny. That's not a good comeback. Anyway, so... <laughs> I told the Lord, I was like, I don't, I don't want to. I did this. I remember what happened. He said, would you stop whining? I just, just, just lunch. Just 8 o'clock to 5 o'clock. And it ends up being like 7.30 to 6.30. But one day a week. I did that every week for a year and a half. That was in January of 2020. Do you know how bad I needed to fast one day a week in 2020? I had no idea what to do in 2020. Open the church, close the church. When you open it, you make some people mad. When you don't wear a mask, some people leave. When you do wear a mask, some people leave. Vaccinations, oh my God, don't take it, do take it. Wear it, don't wear it. Lord, help me. He said, Chris, hear from me. I'll lead you. But if I wouldn't have obeyed the fact that God said fast one day a week, every week this year, then I wouldn't have heard what I needed to hear to get my family and God's family through that year. Because there are some things that you only hear when you take the time to fast and pray. Matthew 17, I don't have the scriptures, I just tell you the story. There was a boy possessed by a demon and the disciples were like, we don't know what to do with the demon. Like everybody would freak out in a New Testament church. I'm sorry, a North American church. If somebody came in here possessed by a demon, I mean, there would be some people that run. Like, if there was a demonic deliverance, there would be some people that never come back to that freaky church. 
Okay, look, stop being uncomfortable with what you read in Scripture just because you're unfamiliar with it. When it happens physically in front of you. I'm scared of a demon? I know Jesus. Speak the name. I love that song. I didn't even like it the first time I listened to it. Pastor Letitia loved it. I was like, all right, if you love it, I like it. We sang it. I believe it's now a prophetic word for this year. That we play that song every time we don't know what to say. Just speak the name. Come on, don't be afraid of hell. Be reverently fearful of the one who could send you there and the one who could save you from there. <laughs> Scared of a demon in Jesus' name? Messing with my children, messing with my wife. Well, I went on a mission trip. We got there the first hour. Somebody's like, hey, there's this guy that's possessed by a demon in his house. I'm like, let's go. That's why we came. Lay hands. I don't shake them. I don't scream. I might spit a little, but it's not intentional. <laughs> Just speak the name. Speak Jesus to the mountains. Come on. Woo. Jesus in the streets. I love this. Jesus to my family. I'm, I'm, I'm having revival on the front row. I don't know what else to say. But Jesus told his disciples, this kind only comes, this kind of what? This kind of demon coming out? No, Jesus deals with that. The demons couldn't even stop the demoniac from running to Jesus and worshiping him. 7,000 demons couldn't stop one man from running and falling to the feet of Jesus. They only have the authority that we allow in the name of Jesus. Jesus wasn't talking about the demon. He was talking about the faith. This is my interpretation. And I've heard these sweet messages, and, and I like to be nice to, well, my wife tells me I need to be. And so these messages, oh, if, if you just have a, just the faith of a, you see how small this mustard seed is? It's just the, the faith of a mustard seed. And then you can, you can be blessed and bless others. And you can be kind and, 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 and others will be kind to you. And you can live your best life now. And you can, and you can have the things that the Lord wants you to, and you can be what the Lord wants you to be. It sounds so sweet. The problem is, it's not how Jesus preached. Because Jesus was saying, just a little bit of the kingdom of God is going to require this on your behalf. If you want just a little bit of faith that could move a mountain, this much could move that. But in order for you to receive this, because I'm going to die on the cross, and I'm going to be raised from the dead, and all authority in heaven and the earth is going to be given unto me, but in order for you to walk in it, you've got to disconnect from this lazy, lackadaisical, Laodicean world and reconnect to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the everlasting to everlasting, because he's still holy, he was holy, and he will always be holy. And if you want to get a hold of holiness, then you've got to fast and you've got to pray. Number two, when God resets, we begin to reveal. Acts chapter 13. I want you to remember the phrase. God didn't just save you so that you could save your seat. We heard this resounding theme 
And then people are coming up to me like, oh, I can't believe he said that. And I'm like, no, I've said that before. I want to say, I'm so glad that, that the Lord ministered to you through them. What I wanted to say was, I'm so glad you finally heard what I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> it's just, just part of bringing in a speaker. It's just, just part of it. Bless the Lord. And so when, when God resets, I believe it's because he wants to use you to reveal his glory. Did you notice when I read Matthew chapter 6, there were three assumed disciplines. Just, they were just assumed. When you give, you know, you know why people get offended about giving? Because some preachers are offensive. Just, but most of the time, you can't offend a generous spirit. But when we think what we have is ours, I worked hard for what I have. Yeah, and God gave it to you. And the opportunity and the ability. And everything you have is his to steward until you explain to him what you did with it. Not even preaching that sermon today. But Jesus said, not if, not if, but when. When you give. And then he said, do it this way. And then he said, when you pray. Not if. Could you imagine, just go with me for a second. Imagine looking at my marriage from the outside in. And I only talk to her once a week when I need something. What kind of relationship do we have? I, I'm going to tell you the kind of relationship that we have. Distant, dry, and void. And she's going to wonder if I'm listening to what she's saying. And I'm going to wonder why she's not saying more. Or knowing her personality, who else is she talking to? And then I'm going to, instead of being confident in our relationship, because our relationship has consistent communication, I'm going to be insecure. And she's going to blame me, and I'm going to blame her, and neither one of us are going to get anywhere. And that is how most people's relationship with God is. Once a week, one hour, speak, Lord, speak. I can't hear you. Leave. Well, I talked to God, but he's not answering. No, hang on. No, really? Once a week? Some of you fast Jesus more than you fast anything else. We fast Jesus for six days a week and wonder why we're so connected to everything and everybody else. And we can't get through the kingdom? It's because you're fasting the kingdom instead of fasting what you're connected to currently so that you can hear from the kingdom. You will, some things you will never hear. Assume disciplines when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. It's like this forgotten habit that the church has just thought was only seasonal or, or a pastor calls you to it or fasting. Oh, it's a super spiritual church. No, it's just biblical. It's just one of three like expected things. If you went to a church and they didn't pray, you'd be like, well, that's not a church. And Jesus put fasting right in there. So I say, 
you go to a church and they don't fast. And they don't give and they don't pray. Are they the church? Because when we reset, when God resets because of our reflecting, we begin to reveal. I'll show you this and I'm closing with it. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. The Bible says, now there were in the church prophets and teachers. Everybody's comfortable with teachers and pastors. Boy, they get all weird when you start talking about prophets, apostles, evangelists. There were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger. Most scholars believe like he was from Niger or the Nigerian area. He was most likely a black man. I'm so grateful that the New Testament has already dealt with racism. And if people would just be the way that God wants us to be, then we wouldn't still have these injustices and we wouldn't have all these movements and we wouldn't be getting mad at each other because of how much melanin is or is not in our skin. Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, the Pharisee. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. Please know they weren't just walking around the walls of Jericho. They were fasting and praying around the walls of Jericho. They were worshiping in their spirit around the walls of Jericho. That's why on the seventh day, around the seventh time, when Joshua told them to shout, they had a shout because they had been simmering, fasting, praying and pleading for seven days. And I love what I heard recently about those walls, what the devil was using to keep them out when they found their praise because they'd been praying and fasting and worshiping. God used as a ramp to get them in. God laid down those walls so that they could walk right into what he had for them while they were worshiping and fasting the Holy Spirit said. It wasn't that he wasn't speaking. It's that before they were worshiping and fasting, they couldn't hear him. Too many other voices, too many other things. Worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. For the work, when God resets, we begin to reveal. For the work to which I have called them, verse 3, then after fasting. Now, if that would have been me, the fast would have been over with. All right, we heard from the Lord. Let's go. Eat in the name of Jesus. Not them. Not them. Now we've heard it. Let's confirm it. By what? By what makes a lot of modern-day church people very uncomfortable. Laying on hands and sending them off prayers. Verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. Let me fast forward in these missionary journeys, and I'm going to land this plane. From there, Paul, not Saul, 
But Paul would prophesy to a centurion and he would bind a false prophet in front of that centurion. The Holy Spirit would not allow him to go some places and he would intentionally send him to other places. One of those places was Macedonian area. So Paul is listening after he left Iconium and Lystra where he was actually stoned and left for dead, but then got up and walked back into the city. I ain't got time to preach how cool that is. He goes and he's sleeping and he has a vision and in the vision he sees a man from Macedonia. Really, he sees a Philippian man. So he follows the obedience, in obedience to the voice that God gave him. He ends up in Philippi just to find a bunch of women praying by the river. Where is the guy? I thought I was coming here to minister to a man. Paul doesn't say that. He ministers to the people that God puts in front of him. He's on a mission, but he's not overlooking the people as if they're getting in the way of the mission. He understands that they're just part of the journey and people in the path. And to accomplish the mission, he may need these people. So he does what God wants him to do wherever he wants him to do it. And if there would have been men down by the river, then he wouldn't. May, he may not have kept going. But because the men weren't paying attention, God, ra God raised up a woman woman to do what he wanted to do through the men that weren't there. And Lydia planted a church in her house because she had influence and she had resource. Paul is arrested, thrown in prison, singing hymns at midnight. Come on, you can be in prison and carrying the presence of God, worshiping and praising no matter the circumstance. The prison doors open and the Philippian jailer goes to kill himself and Paul stops him. The man said, what what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, only believe. He receives salvation right there, takes Paul, Silas, and probably Luke to his house. His whole house receives salvation, and it is very likely that that Philippian jailer was the Macedonian man that said, I need you to come. I came to tell somebody today that the thing that you think is imprisoning you is about to be the person that God empowers to deliver you. He to use every single person that he puts in your path. From there, Paul goes to Athens and Corinth, and from Corinth, he goes to Ephesus, and all the letters of the New Testament are written because of Acts chapter 13, when they were worshiping and fasting. Some of them probably left because the service went too long. Mm -hmm. But those that stayed and those that worshiped and those that prioritized the presence of God heard the Holy Spirit say, set apart for me these two and send them because I've got something that I want to do. And I close with this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, because of the worship, the fasting, and the word of the Lord in Acts chapter 13, Paul writes to a church that did not exist when he heard that word. That's so powerful. There are things currently that do not exist in or around you 
that are dependent upon the next time that you worship and fast so that you can hear and be obedient as God allows what happens to take place through you. Paul writes to a church that didn't exist and he says this, we all, somebody bump your sleeper na sleepy neighbor say we all, with un that was weak and I'm gonna go 10 more minutes if y'all don't say it with me. And we all, come on say, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Okay, hang on, beholding. See, when Moses beheld the glory of the Lord, he put the veil on, why? Because he was trying to keep it to himself. And Paul says, that's not what this thing is about. Take the veil off, lift the veil, for we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one deg degree of glory to another, from one degree of salvation to another, from one degree of sanctification to another, from one degree of obedience to another, from one degree of joy to another, from one degree of praise to another, from one degree of evangelism to another, from one degree of prophecy to another. God, take me to the next degree as you show me how to be disciplined in the one in which I'm currently standing. From one degree of glory to another for this, it doesn't come from me. It's not the power in Chris. It's not the power in the person. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And Pastor Choco said this, new revelation brings new responsibility because when God resets it's because he wants to use you to reveal new revelation a one degree of responsibility to another degree of responsibility if you will bow your head and close your eyes with me father for every person in the room this is not the time to exit but evaluate Lord, let us examine our hearts right now. For every follower of Jesus in this room, are we giving of ourselves in every area as you would have us give? God, are we praying? Are we having consistent conversation with you? Are you in our schedule? Or are you just the one thing we kind of hope happens and if it doesn't, we feel bad. If it does, we feel good or we'll catch up on Sunday. No, no, no. Come on, follower of Jesus. Obey to a new degree and watch God anoint to a new degree. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Lord, help us to hear from heaven and obey on earth. Lord, right now as the church is evaluating, I lift up any person in here who's drifted from your will for their lives. Got any person in here watching online who is not a follower of Jesus, who right now needs to commit their lives to you or recommit their lives to you. If that's you, and the Holy Spirit is stirring in you. I'm not going to make you lift up your hands or come up to the front. Although I love that. 
But I believe that God wants us to make it as simple as possible to start this journey because staying in the journey is the difficult part. I wanna invite you to open your hands right where you are if you need to give your life to Jesus today or if you need to give your life back to Jesus today. Maybe if you need to declare for the first time or the final time. If that's you, just open your hands right where you are. Church, I wanna invite you to pray with us. But today, I want you to prepare your heart and I want you to make this declaration out loud. If you're in a room with a bunch of other people or you're watching online, then you can just whisper it, but I believe it needs to be spoken. I believe that everybody, specifically you and the enemy, need to hear where your heart is. So today, if that's you, I wanna invite you to pray this with us. Come on, let's pray it together. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask that you save me, fill me with your spirit, set me free, and use me. I believe that you gave your life so I could live. You died on a cross. You shed your blood. You paid for my sin. There's power in the blood to overcome because you were raised from the dead. I can be born again and made new just like you. So take my life and make it yours. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. I surrender all right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, can you give God praise today?